Lord, thank you for using today as an opportunity for us to experience life in you. We thank you for all that you're doing in Rukunjiri. We thank you for all that you're doing in Uganda, East Africa, Africa, Europe, Asia, uh, Latin America, all around the world and all across the U.S. where you have us. Thank you for the ability to partner with you, God, to see your kingdom come in places we'll never see. And so thank you now that you've given us the scriptures to teach us and shape us and mold us more to be like you and live like you, Jesus. Help us now to grow, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, last week, I thank God that Steve and Vicki reminded us in the story of Jericho and the story of, of Joshua, and we also saw in Rahab that God uses all sorts of people. So I love the contrast from last week, and it was cool having a husband and wife share that God uses experienced leaders like Joshua, who's with Moses and, and sees battles and has a lot of background, but God also uses Rahab, who's not even a part of the people. She never lived in Egypt. She never saw the miracles of God in the desert. Yet God comes to her in, in Jericho and uses her to be a part of his rescue plan. I love the fact that God uses all sorts of people. So what am I here to say? In this series, we're be, being reminded that by faith, you are the kind of person that God wants to use. You're the kind of person that God's willing and able to use to see people rescued, real men and women, young and old, rescued from where they are to where they should be in relationship with God and serving the Lord Jesus. So you and I are the kinds of people. So if you ever felt like you weren't good enough or spiritual enough or experienced enough or just not the kind of person God's going to use, hopefully this series is going to stir you. Yes, you are. And hopefully that's the reminder you leave with today. You're the kind of person that Jesus wants to use. You say, well, I'm not Abraham, and I'm like, uh, I'm an Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and I'm like a Joshua. Well, here's the beauty. In the text, uh, the writer of Hebrews moves from those big-name leaders, and God does use people of influence, to leaders that you don't even get their name. Just look in your Bible. Hebrews 11, we'll read from verse 32 and following. Let's read along. Hebrews eleven thirty two. 32. It says, and what more shall I say? I don't have time to talk about, and then he lists a few leaders. Gideon, uh, Barak, Samuel, uh, I'm sorry, Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, that's an interesting one, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weaknesses was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by a sword. They were... Uh, went about in sheepskins and in goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And you get a long list of people, and this is what he says. This is the summary, the end of chapter 11, uh, verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, 
so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now, there's lots that we have seen in this series in Hebrews 11 about the nature of faith, about what faith does, about how faith works. But I want us to write down three things. Some of them are summary. But let's think of three things this morning that I think God would want to remind us of when it comes to living out our faith today. Write it down. Number one, faith is followed by action. Why don't we just say it together? One, two, three. Faith is followed by action. Just say it one more time, loud and clear, because I'm listening. Not really. Faith is followed by action. It's what Stephen Vicky focused on uh, last week, that, that our faith and what we do, how we live, is always tied together. So everyone, everyone with genuine faith in Jesus, it shows up, not just the big names, not just the Abrahams and the Moseses. It's about the many, many, many people in the Bible and outside of the Bible who've chosen to live by faith, not just in word, but in how they actually act. And so we get hints of that in the scripture, and this is what the writer is doing. It's going rapid fire. Names that you know, then, then less known names. Let's just look at verse 32 again. I don't have time to tell you about uh, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. What does he choose? He's going throughout the Bible. And if you're reading this, it's almost in order. You get people in Genesis and then people in Exodus, right? Moses and into Joshua. But then there's the period of the judges. So you get four. Now, judges aren't like on the court benches in the day. They, the judges were rulers or leaders before kings. So they were just appointed people. God raised them up. And so we see that in the period called the judges, there are people who live by faith. And, and then you have kings, right? After the judges come the kings. He says, he mentions David. Remember, uh, David and Samuel and the prophets. So you get those before the kings, the judges, and then the kings, and then the prophets. In other words, throughout all of Israel's history, there have been men and women who've been living by faith. He says there are those who shut the, louths, uh, the mouths of lions. It's a reference to, remember, Daniel. Daniel was the prophet who is thrown in the den filled with wild beasts, but by faith he's rescued. Those who quench the fury of the flames, verse 34. It's a reference to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. R remember that the, they, they, they chose not to bow down to the foreign king and the foreign god, but chose to express their faith in Yahweh through obedience. You see, they, they didn't submit to the evil king. They said, no, we won't bow because our God says there's only one worthy of worship. And what happens? They're thrown in the flames of fire. But remember, it was as if there was a fourth man, if you know the story, as if there was a fourth man in the flames. The angel of the Lord comes and, and they, are, they are made safe. They're rescued. Those who escape the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Several of the prophets, it was said, Elisha, Elijah, and Jeremiah escaped the edge of the sword. They had the kings coming against them. In other words, genuine faith is demonstrated when you look at your life. And I think that's a good word and a reminder for all of us because people have faith here in America. It's okay to have some sort of faith. Or some sort of belief system. But in scripture, faith is never just about what you think in your head. Or an idea or a concept. Remember, it is relational. 
faith is tied to the God that you serve, and, and faith is visible. It shows up in how you and I live. Now, what does this mean for us? Because he gives a list of non-named events, and I love it. He, he's talking about people, hinting at people in the Bible, but really he's going beyond people just in the Bible. And as a matter of fact, if you look at this list, uh, some of the references that he has here are to people who are beyond the times of the prophets in the what's called intertestamental period. The Old Testament period ended with the prophets. Then there's a time between the coming of Jesus and about a 400-year window. And even some of the references here are, are to people who lived in that window. In other words, there have always been people who live for God, always. And we want to be those kind of people. So let's, let's, let's tease it out because uh, Stephen Vick did a great job of talking about faith and obedience. What does it mean? It means that if you're a student, we're, we're in a new school year, right? And you're in class, it means that you're evaluating everything you learn in light of Jesus. To live by faith for us is to say our culture, our teacher, our school systems, our books, our media are sharing a message, a worldview, a, a way of, of seeing reality. And some of the things that we're hearing and reading and receiving are not in line with what Jesus has said. So living by faith for you as a student isn't abstract. It means we take everything and we run it through the filter of what God has shown us to be right and true, what God's shown us about himself, so that we're the kind of people who don't just accept it because someone said it and they have a degree attached to their name, although we respect them for their education. But rather, as a student, whether it's middle school, high school, university, post-grad, that you take everything in light of what Jesus has taught, and to live by faith means that even when the culture says the way of Jesus seems wrong, we go the way of Jesus. In other words, faith is followed by action. We, we do something with what we learn. You could be single. Uh, what does it mean to have faith and, and be single? It, it means learning to make the most of today. It's about resisting the temptation to wait for the future to serve God when I have when I'm connected, when I have this relationship or, or establish this family. It's about, it's about living in the moment today. God's given you, if you're single, God's given you today. And it's about recognizing that in Jesus, you are complete. If you're single, you're complete. You have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit working in and through you. You don't have to have a, another long-term significant relationship to be useful to God. It's about remembering that God has given you today, so I want to make the most of it. And if God adds tomorrow in a way that I would, I would desire, fantastic. But, but I am going to choose to live by faith today. It's about taking action with the time and the margin God has given you. It means if you're married, that you see your relationship as part of God's big story. It's not just about, you know, like jobs and like, family and like work and career and vacation and retirement and experiences. No, living by faith as a married person is, is recognizing God put me with this person for a reason and there are Jesus purposes. There are people that together we can influence. There are, there are places that together we can make a bigger impact. It's about partnership, not just love and feelings and emotions, but it, it, it's about being together because God wants to do something in and through us. Do you see your marriage as that kind of partnership? You invited Jesus 
to lead and guide and by faith say, Jesus, we are together and therefore we are yours. We, we together lay down our, our desires because we want your desires, which actually in the end are more life-giving and more thrilling and more lasting. If, if you're at work or in the neighborhood, it's about seeing every person, every person, my friend, as a gift of God. Everyone that I stand around, sit around, interact with is a gift. And, and even the ones that are hard to get along with, and we all have them. There are people in all of our world that are just a little more, to be nice, difficult, challenging. Do we see them as a gift of God? Living by faith is about loving, serving, sharing the good news, the life-changing message of Jesus with everyone, especially those in close proximity. So living by faith isn't just a Sunday check the box or go to your community group, check the box. It is about seeing every person, every day, every moment as a Jesus opportunity. That's what it means to live by faith. Now, disclaimer, I'm growing in this. And you and I are all growing in this. So right now, if you're like, Jose, like, man, that's, that's a guilt trip. No, no, no. It's an opportunity to climb towards where Jesus would want to take you in your faith journey. The more and more we see every day as a Jesus day and every, every person as a Jesus opportunity, that's what it means to grow by faith. And we're going we're gonna to be clear. None of us have arrived. We're all working this out. And God wants us to take steps. And that's what the series is about, taking practical steps to live and serve and love Jesus by, by faith. So, so it's a process for sure. If you're in process and you're discouraged, be encouraged today Everyone listed in Hebrews 11 grew. They grew into what God had for them. It wasn't automatic, and this is a lifetime thing. And if you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and you've been serving Jesus a long time, can I just say to you, don't sit and get comfortable. Don't just say, oh, give it to the young people now. You, whatever age and stage, have God-given, uh, ordained by Jesus moments. Every week, every day. The only challenge is sometimes we're not looking, sometimes we're not. So today, let's just see those, those opportunities. All right. Um, when we step out, though, what does it look like? What's a, what's a win, right? To live by faith, what is success, to use like a common term, what does that look like in Hebrews 11? It's not what you think. Just look at verse 35 and following. Look at verse 35 and following. It says, women received back their dead. People died for the faith. Raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so they may gain an even better resurrection. Some, some faced jeers and flogging, chains, imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, verse 37 says. Sawed in two, killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins. Goatskins is not a fashion thing. It's more like they hid in the herds, right? They were destitute, persecuted, mistreated the world was not worthy of them, and they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. This is not camping. Um, this is survival. The second thing I want you to write down, faith is about obedience for sure, but faith is strengthened through suffering. Let's just say that together. Faith is strengthened through suffering. This is, this is a tough one, but this is the journey of faith. Look at the sheer language in the text. Tortured. People of faith are tortured. Flogging, imprisonment, sodden too. Is this like the Bible or a horror movie? What does it mean for the people of 
Jesus to experience such severe trouble and, and heartache. Now, now, he's giving references according to tradition. We don't see it in the Bible. But according to tradition, Jeremiah was, was stoned to death. Isaiah was sawed in two. And Elijah, Elisha, and Ezekiel, they, they were those who roamed about the desert and the mountains hiding in caves. So it happened to people in real history. But look at what verse 38 says of them. This is, this is the good news in the troubling times. The world was not worthy of them. So, so when you look at the scripture and you look at church history and you look at our story and you look at the church in the world today, this isn't ancient. This is like today. There are people being tortured, flogged, imprisoned, sodden to for their faith in Jesus because they believe that Jesus is God's gift to the world. They've received him and they receive grace and mercy and want to go his way and live out his teachings. There are our brothers and sisters right now who are experiencing this kind of brutality. And while we sit in a comfy room in a not so comfy but a very nice black sleek chair and while we experience coffee and something to eat and drink and go to our home and enjoy our benefits, which are blessings from God. Don't feel bad that God has blessed us. Don't. God loves his kids and, and the Father cares for us. And so don't feel bad about God's blessing. But let's remember that faith is often, and I would dare say most often, strengthened in our world through our suffering. I love what the New Living Translation says. It puts it this way. They were too good for this world. The people on this list who chose to endure suffering, they were too good for this world. It doesn't mean they were stuck up or full of pride. They were living for something bigger. They were living for something beyond. And when you look back at their life, they were people who just didn't go the ordinary, follow the stream, go down the river with everyone else. They, choo- they chose to live different, and we recognize them as people uh, of faith. I think of uh, history. I'm just going to go recent, and there are hundreds, if not thousands, of names I could use. But Martin Luther King Jr., here in our own history, I, I've been to D.C. If you haven't been there to see the, the, the King Monument and Memorial, it's, uh, it's amazing. And people from around the world look at this monster statue of Dr. King. And, and all throughout the area, they have quotes of his life. And I've been to, uh, to London and Westminster Abbey. And uh, even in the UK, in their pristine chapel, Westminster Abbey, there is a statue of Dr. King, who's not British, not European. But they recognize him as a, a person of faith. And today, he's loved and revered. And we have a national holiday and we recognize him, but we don't most often remember his suffering. We remember what his suffering achieved, which was freedom and equality and justice and what he said has lasted, but we sometimes forget his life. And if you've seen documentary or read documentary, he was beaten, maligned, misunderstood. He was threatened and in the end, his life was taken because of his love for Jesus and his commitment to the way of Jesus being lived out in our world. So I just, we need to remember that Dr. King, he's just, he's just one example, not a perfect man, but one example upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of faith being strengthened through suffering. The movement was propelled 
partly through the suffering of the leadership and those who chose to speak up when no one else did. So how many of you, it's your question, how many of you want to grow in your faith? How many of you, you want, of course, like we all, we all, all want to grow in our faith. How many of you are looking forward to a season of suffering? Fewer, fewer hands, obviously. None of us are looking for it. But we forget that at times it's seasons of pain and suffering and lack and loss that grow us. Now, why suffering? If God is good, and he is, then why would he allow his very children to be tortured and beaten in prison, sawed in, sawed in two? Don't, don't you protect the ones that you love? If you're honest, you act, have to ask yourself, if this faith is genuine, why does God allow his people go through seasons of horror? Why is he allowing the church to be persecuted right now in many parts of the world? Now, we don't have time this morning. And in the future, especially I know the ladies this, this fall is doing a series of teachings. They're going to look at suffering more in depth. Uh, we don't have time to look at a thorough and a biblical and an honest understanding of suffering. But here's what we do know in the scriptures. Our faith is exposed in times of trouble. Our faith, what we really believe is exposed. What's really there shows up. If I were to take an orange, right, I can't see what's on the inside, but if I squeeze the orange, it's a, it's a poor metaphor, but it's visual. If I squeeze it, I will see what's on the inside. Sometimes pressure and the squeezing doesn't change what's on the inside. It just exposes it. It shows up. And it's helpful that you're, you're watching this today while I'm in Uganda. For those of you who have not been to other parts of the world, I, I pray that you have that experience. But having been 40 plus times just to Uganda alone, I've seen the church uh, propelled and growing and thriving entirely during a season of suffering. The resources are small and poverty is at epidemic levels. There's lack everywhere. But you hang around a bunch of Ugandan followers of Jesus and you will leave inspired. You, if you go on a trip, and those of you, many of you have, those of you who go, you will be confronted with this paradox. My brothers and sisters who seem to have less have more. My brothers and sisters who seem to be less fortunate have something I want. What it is, is the beauty that comes out of seasons of suffering, it's a more robust, deepened, uh, bedrock foundation of faith in Jesus. Uh, you see, where, where I am in Uganda right now, let's just look at, look at Rukinjiri and what's happening. Pastor Elisha is, uh, what a great name, Pastor Elisha. He's like a prophet. Uh, he has been my host. I've known him for 15 years. I knew him when he was in Bible school and just got married. And my first outreach in the capital city of Kampala, he was one of the ushers that was helpful. And I remember uh, uh, one of the leaders I work with, Pastor Peter Kasirvu, who's preached here. Uh, he, Elisha was his assistant. And I, I was asking Elisha, you know, how did God send you to Rukinjiri to start this, this work? You know, what, tell me a little bit about God's call. He said, I didn't receive a call. That's weird. So why did you end up, you didn't know, in, in, in Uganda there are many languages and many different cultures and many different tribes. English unites them, but when you live in an area, the food is different and the music is different and the, the language is different. So you can go to another side of the country 
and not really know if you don't meet in English, you don't know what your fellow Ugandans are saying. Why would you leave uh, your common language and friends and family? He'd just gotten married, newly married, newly out of school. And he's like, my pastor, Pastor Peter, he had felt burdened for the people of West Africa, Rukunjiri. And they had asked, can you send someone to plant the church? And so he came to me and said, go, check it out and get it started and see what God does. And he said it was really hard. Newly married, left all their friends, relationships, everything, the comforts of their home church to, to pioneer work. And you know what? He's been there for more than a decade now. And it is still hard work. And it is still difficult to be away from family and culture and language. And it is still hard ground, and he's received persecution for those who are trying to oppose the church. He's, he's had disappointments from leaders coming and going. He's, he's got all the bumps and bruises, and it's been beautiful but filled with suffering. But faith is often most seen in our times of trial. I can tell you it's not just uh, Rukunjiri and, and, and our own experience, Carmen and I, in, in stepping out in faith to help uh, with many other, many other men and women here, we didn't plant this church. We were a part of a team that helped plant this church some years ago. And I can tell you it has been the hardest thing I have ever been involved in. There's been more challenges and more curveballs and more uh, beautiful experiences and life's disappointments than anything else. Can I tell you, though, hardship, though, is a tool that God will use to chip away our self-dependence and more deeply rely on him. And my friend, I, I want you to know that faith isn't just a concept. Faith is something God is calling you and I to grow in. And the way that he grows us, it's not the only way. So you don't, I don't want to misunderstand. You don't have to be in suffering to, to experience growth in your faith. But it is one of the tools in God's bag, so to speak. He also uses blessing to test us, to see if we'll rely on him. But wherever you're at, God wants to use uh, suffering in seasons to, to, to grow you. Okay, so faith, faith is followed by obedience, is, and faith is, is most often, I think, strengthened through, through suffering. One more thing, and I want you to write it down. We'll, we'll spend more time on it next week, but faith looks forward to God's future. Write it down. Faith looks forward to God's future. All of these men and women, those who were beaten, maligned, hurt. They were looking ahead. So verse 39 is not just a key to what we read, but a key to understanding all of Hebrews 11, because there is a point. Look at it together. These were all, everyone on the list was commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us. So now he flips the page. This, this was about all of these judges and kings and prophets and then all these unnamed people who, who live by faith. But actually, it's about us. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What do we understand about those who had faith in Hebrews 11? We know that none of them received the fullness of what God had promised in their lifetime. None of them. They all, all trusted God. They all obeyed God. They all went through the ups and downs. It's a journey. They all experienced strength and suffering. They all experienced God's favor, his presence. They all experienced what you and I experienced. But there's something that they missed that we now have. They did not get to see Jesus. 
And so Hebrews is not just about looking at the ancients, but it's about looking at the ancient people in light of Jesus. So Jesus, Hebrews is going to tell us, is our great high priest. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God visible to everyone who saw him when he walked on planet Earth, and now to us who have heard of him through reliable witnesses who walked with Jesus himself. And so, so the ancients were looking ahead because everything was leaning towards someone who would come, and they died, Moses and Noah and Abel and, and Joshua. Everyone on the list died looking forward towards God's ultimate rescue and God's ultimate presence, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Well, you have and I have what, what they didn't have, God's continual abiding presence. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you without comfort. It's better that I go away because I'm going to send you the, the Spirit, my very Spirit who's going to be in you and with you. So now you and I can live by faith in a whole new way. Not just like just looking around, but we can have the mind of Christ, the understanding of God, the perspective to look forward and say, I know where faith is taking me. God is going to unfold his ultimate plan, and you and I are a part of that. So, so faith is, is you and I looking at what God has said about the world and its future and saying, okay, in light of what God's going to do, I'm going with Jesus. I'm going to be useful to him because he's taking the world somewhere. And just read the end of the book. Read, read the revelation of John at the end of the New Testament, and you know where God is taking the world, and until then, we get to be his people who live out what the entire universe will experience someday. What is it like to really walk and live in right relationship with God? One day, God's going to make the whole world new, the universe is going to be made new, the planet is going to be made new, and you and I are going to rule and reign and enjoy God and live with one another to no end. That's the future. If that is true, and by by the way, my friends, it absolutely is. It's true. If that's true, if, if you get 50, 60, if we're lucky, 70, 80, 100, if you live to 135, which no one on planet Earth is alive at 135, as far as I know, check Wikipedia if you want, 135, you, you still only get those years. But when you and I live in relationship with Jesus, live in obedience to Jesus, by grace, through faith, follow Jesus, then guess what? We're caught up in the big story. Those before us who were looking forward to Jesus, now those of us who are in Jesus and live after him, we're living in light of what will come in the future, and we're going we're gonna to be with him, so let's, let's be with him now. We're going to know his ways, so let's know his ways now. We're going to serve him. In all of eternity, we're not sitting on clouds with flappy wings playing instruments. We're actually involved in God's work without the corrupting force of sin, without pride, and without hate, and with no end. This is your future, my friend, if you're a follower of Jesus. And so in light of that, I'm reminding you today that God is inviting you to step into what he wants to do in his future. Jesus says again and again, follow me, follow me. And so in light of, of faith being connected to obedience and in light of the reality that faith is strengthened through our suffering, what will give us perspective is knowing that, that faith is going to look forward. My faith in Jesus is forward-focused. And one day, you and I will get to see fully what we only see in part today. That ought to give us 
hope. Now, the reason, to recap what we've been saying every week, the reason he says this is because they are experiencing suffering and they sense at the time that they're reading this that it will be harder to become a Jesus follower. And I'm no prophet, and so just take this as one perspective, but I do travel the world and I have been around for a bit. And as I look at the, the, the movement of Jesus around the world, I believe, I honestly do believe, that these are the best times to be a follower of Jesus in America and that he hasn't given up on us and he hasn't given up on the people he loves here and that there's, there's going to be moves of, of Jesus moving in power here and around our country. Let's not give up and say, let's just, oh, let's just go somewhere else because it's over for us. No way. I believe these are the greatest times, but they may be the most challenging times. Faith is going to cost you something. Faith isn't really faith and, and, until the, there's a sense of costliness. If you don't have to trust Jesus for food tomorrow for your family, in, in one sense it's hard to express that faith. You, you can. I, I do trust Jesus for food for our family, but in one sense I just look at my fridge. And so it's not really tested. It's not really pushed. The muscle isn't being exercised. But when you can't, and like many of our brothers and sisters around the world, their faith is being stretched, and what it's producing in them is a greater ability to partner with God, hear his voice, know his ways, and be willing to go his direction even if the culture isn't following. Jesus is inviting you this morning to follow no matter what the cost. That may mean uh, some relationships at work. There could be some tension, not because we want to be tense, not because we're mean, not because we're looking down at people, but when we stand up for Jesus... Jesus may be the offensive one, and we got to be the people who are willing to lovingly express that we passionately follow Jesus. And remember that, yeah, there will be times of hardship now, but you don't get it all now. Hebrews 11 reminds us, you, you don't get it all now. But one day, we're going to see, you and I, one day, the small acts of faith now are going to produce massive change in the lives of people that, that we'll never see. So, here I am, and I can't even tell you the stories because I recorded it before I left, but I can tell you there's some young people who've been turned around and went from darkness to light and are following Jesus and encountered his presence. And, and, and these, are, these are not only current young people, but future leaders in a country that is mostly 25 and under. And, and so it may seem small, but like a little uh, trip and partnering with churches and your prayer and, and, and partnering in support and, and working together there are young people and probably some older people who have been changed even in the last seven days. So your step of faith, just to be faithful in, in generosity to God, is already making a massive difference. In the end, we can rely on this. Jesus is faithful. And that's Hebrews 11. Jesus is faithful. He was faithful to everyone on the list, and he will be faithful to you. And so he sees you and he loves you, and Jesus has more for you. That's why now I think it's time to respond. Um, for us, the teaching is in the middle because what happens after, the tone is, is often set as God's Holy Spirit begins to deal with us when we listen to truth. But now is your time to rise up. In a moment, um, Brandon and the team, they're just going to lead you in praise. And, and can I just say, and it's not awkward because I'm not physically standing there, let's just, let's just not be half-hearted about it. Let's just not be ho-hum 
Jesus has come to rescue, and Jesus is faithful, and Jesus is here, and Jesus is with us. So we ought to have a response that matches what really happened. And when, you're, when your favorite sports team, when they do what seems impossible, the appropriate response for you is to, to cheer and to shout, to scream, to throw stuff, and whatever you do, the, the response should match the action. And this morning, if you have been reminded of God's faithfulness to you, if you've been reminded that God's with you in suffering, if you've been reminded that God's looking to you to obey because he's come to be with you, he's giving you the ability to do it, then we ought to respond in ridiculous praise. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to pray for us now, and then the team's going to lead you in response. And even though I'm not there, I'm worshiping with you. Lord, I thank you this morning that you're with us wherever we are, and I thank you that even now you've been stirring us to follow you and walk with you and, and know you and, and love you. And, and Lord, I don't know my friends who are seated here. I don't know where they are uh, with you, but Lord, I just pray that even now as, as they enter into a time of response, that if, if things are not right and sin is standing in the way and they know the rebellion or just their ignorance to it, Lord, that we would all turn to you, Holy Spirit of God, that you'll begin to do the real work of healing us where we need it and showing us truth where we need it and guiding us where we need it. So, Jesus, we respond to you. We respond to you. Now I invite you to stand up and let's respond.